Welcome to Cartoonist Kayfabe. My name is Ed Piscor. I'm Jim Rugg. Jimmy, today we are looking at uh, G.I. Joe issue number 155. This was a chase comic for me. This is a holy grail and a kayfaber sent it in to us. Brought to you in part by the Patreon. The King Kayfabers on the Patreon get access to all of our uh, videos before anybody else mitigates the kayfabe effect. And uh, the King Kayfabers are hanging out with us right now in a live stream recording session as we produce these videos. We have more than 1,500 videos uh, at your disposal right now, and uh, including a nice uh, half dozen or so G.I. Joe related uh, episodes. So check those out. Uh, pop, pop in the search field. Uh, the magnifying glass on the front page of the kayfabe channel uh the titles of your favorite comics check out those episodes and uh without further ado well i guess jimmy we have a uh, big apple con coming up uh a mid weekend in uh december december 16th 16th man that's going to be fun taking a little trek up to the nyc uh but without further ado jimmy this is a grail book for me gi joe 155 and i need to give shouts to uh, gabriel Cohn who hit who hit me up uh on uh the on uh, the DMs sometime back, man, it was like, dude, do you still not have GI Joe 155? Because he was downsizing his collection. He was he was doing the uh, uh, cartoonist kayfabe Christmas in July stuff, and this was going to be one of the Christmas in July books. Very often when we do Christmas Christmas in July, when people are showing off their stuff, I'm like, damn, you could have just sent sent that to us, man. But this was a, a grail book for me in a lot of ways. Uh, I was at this time I was piecing together the uh the run as it was coming out from the newsstand like i i really wasn't going to to comic shops for the, for this kind of comic like when i would go to the comic shops at this time it's really for like the weird image comics and things like this this was very reliable on the newsstand until it wasn't and it was those last batch of issues that i had had the damnedest time trying to find them on the racks there's the one with like you know G the original gi joe colton you know like uh with the with the you know the kung fu grip era the gi joe standing there with a big american flag that's issue 150 i believe i had to run around to like find that thing there's the ernie steiner issue which is 154 the one right before this i seen his artwork and seen the comic at his table is the first time i saw original art it was at a like a toy show at, at the old uh, expo mart and I uh, could not find that comic uh, to save my life. He had, had to spend, you know, the four weeks of that month that it was on the rack, scooping it up. And G.I. Joe 155, in a house full of five people, when my parents are constantly going to the grocery stores and various grocery stores and cutting coupons and going to, you know, the Giant Eagle and the Shop and Save and this one and that one, I could not find this comic ever. And very quickly, it was like $8, $10. Now it's like $100. You know, it's a... It's a very expensive comic because because of the scarcity of it. You know, this is this is this is the the, the end. I wonder what happened that the numbers fell off that that we kind of rapidly. We got old, you know. Like we were the audience for this stuff, and uh, you know, like you're you're older than me, so you were out of it way before I was, and I was holding on. And you know, I can't be blamed because I was buying all the toys still. Like when they started to do the fucking Street Fighter Two figures and shit. We bought those when it was all ninjas, like the new waves were all fucking ninjas. We bought those. So me and my brother were not the problem. It was that you guys were the OGs and now you guys got hair on your nuts and girlfriends and shit like that. So it just completely shit the bed. But Larry Hama showed up every month reliably, man, to, to, to give us a, to, to give us a good comics. And this, it's great that they gave him 
you know, an end notes, you know, allowed him to, to tie things up. Uh, but and I think that he put a lot of effort into this one. You know, he, he famously is an issue to issue guy. He doesn't know what the fuck's happening. And he'll reintroduce characters that die and then people be like, hey, he's supposed to be dead. And he goes, oh, no, he was on a mission. You know, he's, <laughs> you know, he's, he's, he's a mensch, man. He, ain't, he, he don't give a fuck about that kind of stuff. But uh, it does look like it does feel like he had uh, a real point of view with uh, with this issue. The videos are brought to you by the books that we make and 2023 was and is a big year 2024 is going to be just the same the hip-hop family tree omnibus is out there about 75 percent of this print run has uh, been accounted for so you guys have about 25 percent left of our our stock to go scoop up that book if you see it it's going to make an excellent gift the x-men grand design trilogy comes out uh november 14th it collects all of my x-men grand design works inside of one nice handy uh soft cover scoop that up there are three volumes of Red Room that are uh, completed. Two of them are out on the stands right now, the Antisocial Network and Trigger Warnings. But coming to you in early 2024 is Red Room Crypto Killers with dozens of pages of extra features and commentary in the back. Street Angel Princess of Poverty is coming to you at the end of November. Uh, it is a companion piece to Street Angel Deadliest Girl Alive. Uh, you get both of these books. You have all of Jimmy's uh, Street Angel comics to date. He's been self-publishing, and here you have True Crime Funnies, the black and white zine, 1986 zine. Go to Jimmy's website. Uh, he might be sold out right at the moment, but uh, you never know. He, he might have fresh stock, depending on when you're watching this video. And uh, Hulk Grand Design is Jimmy's contribution to the Grand Design mythology that we have created for Marvel Comics. Now that we're done paying the bills, let's get back to the video. Yeah, absolutely. And this is the end of 1994. Uh, I see a December down there for some context of just the comics market itself. You know, at this point, it is spiraling downward. Yeah. Yeah, that makes so much sense, too, because I remember when I got that issue 150 and it would have been summertime, like on a family vacation, not in Pittsburgh. Uh, the dudes on the ones and twos, you have Philip Gazier or Gazier and Scott Koblish on the inks. These guys were doing uh, the comic uh, uh, pretty routinely uh, around this time, and it's a wonky, wonky style. Uh, you get the you get the vibe that their natural drawing style is probably not uh, that of the Wildstorm Studios, but they were maybe tasked with uh, trying to add some of that hyperbole into uh into their artwork and it comes off all wrong and weird and wonky yeah I, I made the comment before we started recording about how kind of inspirational art yeah and that like going through this i would feel like at the time oh yeah i can do i can do that right you know like it's not that far off from the stuff i was drawing that i look back on and go yeah that's not right i mean this is almost like that bishop face right there actually yeah we'll, we'll see a couple that are really out there but i thought about it too is this a situation where like we're watching an artist who learned to draw from comics right and, and maybe maybe he broke in by having these uh, Jim Lee marks yeah it would make sense and you can almost see where the panels are of like okay go for it or this is the first thing we all learn to draw you know there's a couple of those standouts but then other stuff a little bit a little bit weird possibly a little rushed right so he, we got a guy who's having a flashback and uh, who this dude was man he was fighting right alongside stalker snake eyes like the core cool team guys but he ends up being a part of that for the fred series i don't know how deep you read into uh, gi joe but like there would be like fred five fred seven and they, and they all got facial surgery to be these ginger guys and i think the idea was that uh it's a uh, it's it's 
Cobra Commander face, man. But you have five, ten of these guys, and one of these guys hides as Cobra Commander. It's the Cobra Commander with the Darth Vader helmet. Okay. You know that one? So uh, they were liberated and uh, reprogrammed into being good good citizens, pulled from Springfield. But uh, one of Fred's sons wants to go off, uh, jo- join the military. And dad is not in favor of that. Right. Yeah, it's interesting because because he would be that generation like it's it's after the silent generation of of eighteen uh, year old boys in World War Two who were killing people. He's like Vietnam era. Yeah, exactly. Which you know speaks to Larry Hama. Absolutely, and and there this comic is rife with all of the shorthand like the stuff that would be in the glossary section in the back of Nom Comics is all used here. And Hama would be good with that, you know, using that stuff and even setting up some of the um, formations and stuff that that would be used. Yeah, they start off there with uh, Point Point Man. This guy's on the point. Right. Um, I can remember, I, I went through a period of reading war books mm-hmm. and I can remember reading one and it was called Point Man. And that's what you would get is like, you could only do it for a little bit of time because it's like pure awareness of everything right. and everybody behind you counting on you. Right. Fred encourages the boy, go send a letter to Snake Eyes. You think he's so cool, which is perfect, right? Because, like, Snake Eyes is the, the, the Boba Fett of, of G.I. Joe. Oh, Snake Eyes is so cool. It's almost like Hamas talking to the kids at home. Uh, there's there's famous conversation, too, about, uh, about uh, Hama being at a party, like a Topps party or something, and, and, and Art Spiegelman accusing him of celebrating fascism and, and stuff in his G.I. Joe comics. And this would be in front of like Howard Chaykin. Ch- Chaykin, when we got dinner, he was talking about like, yeah, that motherfucker like said that Larry Hama, a dude who's actually served in the army, is celebrating fascism in his comic. So I wonder if like some of that is in the back of his mind because that's this is a strictly anti-war story that we're dealing with right here. Stalker showing up to the pit. Got to give the uh, password. It's funny for all the um, high technology and hyperbole of the GI Joe pit. You just got spirit uh, kind of guarding it requiring a password before you can proceed down the steps never more 90s ads than these ones huh jimmy yeah wow do you imagine this is hand lettered like i do think it is yeah i'm looking at it and I, I would say definitely i think that's amazing i would like to know yeah. if it feels like chris chua's art style i'll agree with that <laughs> so uh the the guys are are uh, pulling apart the pit the pit headquarters let's take a second here and think about why gi joe is not selling anymore and we'll get a better view of it later. But what in the hell is Scarlet's? Like, what are we wearing? Yeah. Like, like it's a bummer because you don't see. There's a tail to this costume, <laughs> or a train, or something. Yeah. What is this? This, uh, the this, the snake eyes that you bought as a kid, was not the snake eyes that I bought as a kid. And every season, if it was like a breakout character, they would have to put them out again. And truthfully, the girl toys did not sell much. No. So there, this might be the second Scarlet toy, and it was like required at that time. But this is this is where their head was. It was neons. It was fluorescence. The eco warriors. It's bizarre. And the cartoon that was on at this time, it was not. It was not uh, nowhere to run, nowhere to hide. It was got to get tough, yo Joe. It was a whole different <laughs> song and stuff. Yeah, I missed out on all of that. Yeah. So uh, they're tearing the pit down. Also, something very noteworthy. I don't know where they're at now. I know that Kirkman has the G.I. Joe uh, license. Okay. But 
I do know that IDW put out an issue 300 written by Hama. So like once they get to what 310, uh, he did as much as many issues away from Marvel as he did with Marvel. That's kind of an interesting thing. They're they're getting there. It's fascinating. Like like going through this, my thought was when people ask about like what could be a grand design, GI Joe's the perfect comic for a grand design, especially since it's mostly one guy's vision behind it and Larry Hama. Yeah. You know, it it may not fit perfectly, but it would still be somewhat of a a story that would be sensible, you know, that would kind of all fit together. Totally. This uh, now th- this is uh, the very first time. So so Stalker, I mean, uh, Snake Eyes receives his letter from the young Fred offspring, and uh, he's reading the letter here. The kid's talking about being hyped up on war and wanting to join the military. By the way, that Snake Eyes costume, not so sure about that. I can't even figure out like what this is. It looks like the flattest piece of something, and it's there's thread on it. Like yeah. you're gonna un- undo a, your fly. It's, it's a corset. It looks like metal. <laughs> right. That's a weird choice. Yeah, it's some it's some uh, Black Queen Hellfire Club gear, man. Very bizarre. You know, the dad doesn't talk about his war or anything. His, his, and it's that classic thing where like his parents are yuppies. And he's he just has such disrespect for his dad. Doesn't know doesn't know the the hero that his dad is. Yada yada. But what we're getting here here on this page which is pretty fun for, for the young uh, G.I. Joe readers. It's it's the first time you get Snake Eyes dialogue or conversation or, or anything. We actually have the words of Snake Eyes in this, uh, in this piece. And uh, he is going through the people that we saw kind of in that earlier setup of the first couple of pages. He's going through these different team members of their platoon uh, the things that got them interested in war, and uh, the sort of outcomes of each of these guys. And as you can see, all the outcomes are bad. Uh, they make it a point that, you know, you have Stalker, you have these guys whose names you know, but here are the guys whose names you don't know. These are the Star Trek red shirts, the dudes that that are with us in battle and step on a landmine. You know, this guy, this guy uh, joined the, the military to have a steady income to pay for his dad's heart valve surgery dad dies while he's still off the war but he stays stays uh you know he doesn't go a wall steps on the damn landmine we have stalker you know raised in a super tough neighborhood using using this uh this opportunity to kind of get himself out of a bad situation you gotta have your storm shadow who's raised in a family of ninja and you know, it's sort of all he knows kind of thing. Yeah, he's not he's not looking for heroism there. That is uh, a, a practice for him. Right. I think this is a really good story. Yeah. I have not read most G.I. Joe comics, right. so I came into this this week very cold. Mm-hmm. And, and I think it's um, designed that way. It, it sets up, man. It's like a one in, you know, done in one. And going back to the same group, that same, I don't know what, team or whatever... It's a great device right. for a story. You get to see it from a couple different point of views. Yeah, I think it's a really well done story. We're going to have the, uh, the the Snake Eyes origin here. Getting burned up, getting his vocal cords fried and stuff. And this part right here, uh, one of them, his name was Travis, kept begging me to smother him with a pillow. Yes, very dark. Yeah. And you imagine that this this... Almost everything within these pages feels like something that... Uh, could be a first-hand account, something that Larry Hama experienced with somebody while out, kind of in the trenches. 
Oh yeah, I can't imagine the stories you would really have if you went through Vietnam yeah. in combat. So we could do an episode on the absurdity of this page. All right. Like seriously, it's insanity that this is what you would have. Everybody's wearing dark muted colors, earth tones, except right in the middle, we have a half naked girl in neon. It's such an absurdist like concept and I get it. It's a comic book and it's, and it's out there, but at the same time, like you think about this is a failing property, right? Uh, not surprised. You know what I mean? That's just ridiculous. Yeah, totally. And, and, uh, the complaints that Hama would have would, would, would be stuff like this. Uh, you know, there's, there's the Zartan that's like the, the bright orange and, and all this. And, they would create a new wave of toys and then you have to get them into the comic and then they have to look the way they do in the in the toys that you sure. can currently buy so they're really they're bound by these dudes who are pulling from the well one too many times and they're getting older like they were old dudes whenever they started coming up i was just just watching that episode of toys that made us and these guys were like doing war gaming and shit in like the 60s so this is what passes for what what the kids of the 90s w might like it also illustrates yeah just totally thinking of like okay jim lee's number one how do we make this how do we try to get some of that magic from uh from the jim lee and like this is your critique this is your let's distill what makes jim lee so popular and this is the answer right nah you guys missed the mark there's something real ghastly about the way he builds his faces man yeah, the faces are the part that I, that whenever I said this is inspiring in a lot of ways, it's the faces. And the best one is coming up. I'll point it out whenever <laughs> I see it. But this one is the right model. It's like something's just wrong there. And yet I've drawn 10,000 faces that look about like that. Yeah. And I don't know what it is. It's so weird. It's almost like you learn to draw faces with cartoon language, but then whenever you're drawing in a more realistic style, it just doesn't work. Right. Yeah, I, I wonder if Joe Mad is out at this point. I, th I think he is. I, th I think when I got my GI Joe 150, I think that would be like a Phalanx Covenant uh, type uh, type era where it's the first uh, Joe Mads. Here's another one where she's like really pops against all the Earth tones. Uh, so they're retiring the pit base. This is the face that I love. <laughs> yeah. I can't tell you how many times I've drawn a face that looks like that. I know what you mean. And especially when I was like, in this era like in the 90s trying to do sample pages that's what my characters look like and i can't even tell you why when i look at that i don't see joe mad or jim lee or rob liefeld i don't know what it is but that's what i was drawing to totally uh, there there are the eras of like and you see them in like the power comics the outlaw comics of the 80s and the comics of the 90s so like the 80s ones i always called them equine mm -hmm. horse faces they were like these long narrow things and those are a result of Dude's Crib and Barry Windsor Smith. It's like that, and 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 like really Barry Smith, like the earliest rounds of, uh, of Conan comics. So like the Peter Lairds, think of that kind of style. And so many of the outlaw comics that we look at from that era have have that kind of thing. But then this, I I, I do think it comes from like the it's the Jim Lee approximation or something. Though he's never drawn a face like this. But whatever we were pulling from to like learn to draw they all turn out this way in the in the 90s yeah it's really bizarre this is kind of interesting for doing your chain link is like you know you would draw a little bit of it to imply the whole thing but very bizarre like i would feel like if you were doing that and it was just a line you could get away with it right I've the seen way it that's line. drawn it's it's very um it looks like a broken fence exactly yeah exactly yeah it's it's not it's not that's not the way to do it and and with with that much work that you did why not just complete it yes yeah it's it's pretty 
pretty odd looking. Yeah. Also, man, that's we're getting to the end of the of, of the book, right? So deadlines are a cruncher. But there, there's your last page, dude, and it, and it goes away. And it was it was shocking to me that it went away because like I had no sense of anything uh, as as a kid of like popular. Like it's just like I'm getting what I want, and why why are why am I not seeing a uh, new GI Joe? you know, figures, and we were buying them all, like, like, we got the major blood that had, like, the metal helmet with the red eye patch and stuff, like, all the last run, I, I, those are the ones that I still have, like, real easy access to, and, uh, we, you know, we still bought them, but, like, we could kind of tell that it looked weak, but it was a shock when we get the announcement that G.I. Joe is done, and you just feel like it's forever, like, you know, it's just going to be done for forevermore, uh, the Dark Horse one comes out reasonably soon after this, a year or two. But then it is about four or five years before um, the Devils do Josh Blaylock era happens. Because that happens, that gets announced when I'm at art school. And a lot of people were salty about that. Uh, but then there was like, like Image had it for a, for, a, for a tiny piece. And Hama comes back with that one. Has Dan Durgan's draw it. Like, like I have those. And those are the last G.I. Joe comics that look kind of like the classic Marvel, as you can imagine, Dan, the way Dan Jurgens draws and stuff, has painted covers. So you, you're going through the long boxes, you'll skip them because the covers just feel like, you know, any of that newer kind of crap. But uh, reliably, like they, they started the series up again with like 155 and a half or something. And then they started with 156. Uh, he did issue 300 with with IDW. That was that was a big deal. And now I don't know if they started coming out yet, but I do know that Hamas on the hook for the Kirkman Skybound shits. So that's so interesting. Hama has that association with the property. Yeah, because you assume like if the licenses are expiring, probably the sales aren't great, right? And it's a uh, so it, it's like dude, it's like uh, Savage Dragon. Like they, you do not see these books on yeah. the wall these are subscriber books now right there's there's two thousand of them at a print run or something very small numbers but maybe because like kirkman's one of us he knows the potential i bet you he's going to push it i bet you he's going to do some hype to because because like really it's the art like the, the art is say, very uninspiring i wonder who comes on board on the art side of it yeah it's it, it's iew like what are they paying you know and and uh the they're getting commensurate commensurate artwork for the money that they're paying Neil Adams drawing Cobra Commander. These would be these That's dossiers. Uh, this would have been published in probably issue 108, I believe. They would have like a full image. I do remember George Perez doing the Baroness one, which is like perfect. And they have like a little dossier. That's, that's like a uh, the back of the um, toys, you know, like the little file card, except a little bit more robust. And then, uh, did you read this part right here, man? Coming next issue, even though there won't be a G.I. Joe 156, we still have one more ace up our sleeves. Uh, years back, a young guy named Todd McFarlane penciled an issue of G.I. Joe. It was number 61, in fact. For whatever reason, the story was redrawn by another artist, happens to be Marshall Rogers, and Todd's version was nev never saw print. So sh shipping the second week of December, uh, after eight weeks, it, eight long years in a drawer, they're going to uh, pull out that comic and it's inked by by uh, mark N mark nelson uh we did an episode on these comics one of those rare comics where uh two people drew the same script and uh the sort of panel layouts like the number of panels and things it's the same amount uh so maybe you know it's larry hummel creating roughs or whatever like pa panel designs and stuff so we have a video where we compare the marshall rogers 
G.I. Joe number 61 with the Todd McFarland G.I. Joe 61. Uh, Todd was fired by Larry Hama. Uh, just this past weekend, I was talking with uh, Jeff, Jeff Darrow, and, and he, he brought up that issue 60 of uh, G.I. Joe that we looked at with a splash page where Lieutenant Falcon is standing 10 feet away from the guy he's talking on the walkie-talkie to, <laughs> and we were just kind of like laughing about that stuff. And he was like, I don't know why nobody caught that before print, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, they might have caught it after print because... Because uh, Todd McFarlane drew the next issue, but it never came out until, you know, years later. He got chucked. But they're it's so just... interesting that they that they go to the well as like their last G.I. Joe project at Marvel here. Let's let's dust off the McFarlane and see if we can sell a few of those. And you and you know what the cover was? Omasha Spider-Man 1 with mm. uh, Snake Eyes down in that. And it was this Koblish guy or or, or uh, Phil Gauzier. Gauzier. Uh doing his best McFarlane impersonation. So I uh, want to give shouts to uh, Gabriel Cohn for hooking it up. Uh, on When I was doing solo vids going through G.I. Joe's, I was saying like, oh, I don't got 155. Uh, missing a couple other little sporadic issues here and there, man. But uh, this is a series that was near and dear to my heart, something I always paid real close attention to. You got a good exit note too, exit editorial by uh, Larry Hama here, which is a uh, good value. Yeah, calls out all his creators and stuff. Ernie Steiner missing from the list of pencilers, by the way. Yeah, you know how this goes, man. Like this was in production. He probably wrote yeah. this thing before before that that issue came out. Yeah, I don't believe there was any slight intended there or anything. You know, it's interesting. I see so many GI Joe issues in dollar bins and stuff, and it makes me wonder if part of the issue here was they lost distro to like army bases or something. You know, yeah. somewhere where they were selling, you know, enough to keep GI Joe a good book for them must have must have been lost you know i'm you know a big part of that is uh it's the only comic to ever have television commercials uh th this was the highest selling comic like first it was star wars kind of saved marvel comics and then come 82 like having a commercial on tv they, they it was a way for them to skate around um some of the laws related to toy commercials uh because there were no laws for advertising books so uh those those commercials sold fucking millions of of copies of of GI Joe at a, at a time. You could find you could find the old uh, like postal receipts and and that that little paper that would be sent out to advertisers and stuff, and it would be close to a million copies at times. Now they had to cut Vig into uh, Hasbro, but I'm sure that they weren't they weren't crying about you know the the money that they were still still keeping. Yeah, I wonder how all that works. Like like. With that kind of circulation, Marvel's profiting from the advertising they're selling. So that would be one thing that would be, uh, you know, have, have you could cash in on those numbers. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure you know a million, uh, you, you know, of, of unit sales, uh, just the nickels and dimes that you make from that. I gotta revisit the uh, the the original drawing because that is fucked up. Like that, yeah, right. That is that is not the paste up fell off or something. Yeah, I wonder even like what are you paying Neil Adams for that? got to be one of the highest rates of someone you're going to hire to draw it's super cool to see neil adams draw cobra commander but i do wonder like how on earth does that come about yeah so so out there i think larry hama had some ties to continuity oh yeah he did so maybe just some some money came in to get this kind of work and it was like pitch a little bit to your uh to, to the guys you're close to neil adams could flip this stuff like flapjacks too something like that right i've seen him draw a time or two good to go i am 
kayfabers like follow subscribe to the youtube channel hit the bell so that we can let you know what new videos are uh, available we are a daily youtube channel with more than 1500 videos in our filmography and there's a good chance we talked about some of your favorite comics i encourage you to hit the magnifying glass on the front page of the kayfabe youtube channel search for your favorite titles and uh, check out those episodes if by chance we did not talk about your favorite comics on the channel yet you have to let us know do the, do so in the comments let us know what those comics are and we will push those comics a little bit higher on our to read pile jimmy and i are going to be at big apple comic-con uh come december 16th it's been years since we've been to the big apple and uh, we look forward to seeing you guys so so please come through and bring your comics that we have yet to sign we have a patreon and on the cartoonist kayfabe patreon uh, the King Kayfabers get all the videos before anybody else and uh, w when the internet cooperates they are hanging out with us in a live stream recording session as we uh, make these episodes mitigates the Kayfabe effect. Ultimately the videos are brought to you by the books that we make and before you is a pretty good sample of our bibliography but we'll get into the nitty-gritty. Jimmy let the people know what you got coming out soon. My next release is Street Angel Princess of Poverty from Image Comics. This will be out in late November in time for the holiday gift for the uh, action comic superhero comic lover in your life and Street Angel Princess of Poverty collects all the Street Angel comics that are not in Street Angel Deadliest Girl Alive also available from Image and uh, get both books it'll complete your collection. I've been self-publishing lately. True Crime Funnies number one is available on jimrug.com along with BW and 1986 zine. And if they are sold out there, you can still read them on patreon.com slash jimrug. And my contribution to the grand design history is the Hulk, which is available in limited quantities because it is sold out at the uh, distribution level. So if you haven't added Hulk grand design to your collection yet, you need to pick that up next time you hit the comic shop. Hip Hop Family Tree Omnibus is my big one for 2023, and uh, it is going fast, man. There's more than uh, probably 75% of this print run is gone, and stores have been re-upping. It was the number one reordered book on, on Comicron, uh, so thank you guys so much. Thanks to stores for uh, for supporting the book, but if you even have any thought that, you're, that you want this or you want to get it as a gift, make sure you scoop it up uh, right away. Uh, it's the best book I've made to date, 500 plus pages, 10-year anniversary of Hip Hop Family Tree, 50th anniversary of the culture. Scoop it up. Uh, not the last holiday release I'm going to have. Uh, coming November 14th is the X-Men Grand Design trade paperback, collecting all of my X-Men Grand Design works. Uh, a couple volumes of that, that is out of print uh, as we speak, so make sure uh, if you are missing out on your uh, X-Men Grand Design, scoop that up. You'll get it all in one. And there is a trilogy of horror comics that I have made under the Red Room umbrella, Anti-Social Network, Trigger Warnings, and coming in January is this trade paperback right here called Crypto Killers, which uh, collects my 2023 season of Red Room comics with a bunch of extras. The books are the most important part of keeping cartoonist kayfabe solvent and uh, functional. But there are some other ways to support the channel. Jimmy, let the people know. You can subscribe to the Cartoonist Kayfabe newsletter at the links below this video. You can also pick up Cartoonist Kayfabe t-shirts, merchandise, mugs, stickers, and more at our spread shop. That link is also under this video. All good ways to support the channel. Give them those final merchandise, Jimmy, and we'll be on our way. Read more comics.